The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. It, it is kind of freaky that they're not making any new monoculture artists. The last one was like Billie Eilish. Mm. Certainly the pipe is not flowing like it was, you know? <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm 43. It's <laughs> fucking amazing it flowed as long as it did. <laughs> Welcome along to The Real Pod. It's Alex Casey here and Duncan Greaves. Morena, Alex. No, Jane. It's just us. Where's Jane? <laughs> She's at home sick. She's at home sick. I think it's sort of, I think we've set a precedent now. Maybe one of us just has to be sick every week. I can't be me next week. I what is that? To, I have to go um, to the you airport. you got a series of <laughs> Forth, meetings? Forthwith. <laughs> Not long after, and I, I do not want that for me. This is your uh, reality television and popular culture podcast. Is that right? Yeah, but also yeah. There's, there's some, like, real-life reads, you know? <laughs> we need to get a That's Life subscription. I was thinking about that. It's a great mag. There's a lot of a lot of crazy shit happens in there, and I feel like a lot of it's RealPod adjacent. <gasps> RealPod magazine. <laughs> Isn't that what this podcast is? By any other name. That's true. Um, so today, Jane's not here. Jane's sick. We're going to talk about, I want to talk about Taylor Swift. I want to talk about gardening. The cat's away. <laughs> <laughs> the mice are playing. No, and we're also going to talk about maths. Yeah, we are. We are. Because it continues to be exactly what it has always been this season. Champagne reality television. Interesting you say that. I actually think this has been the most boring week ever. Well, that can be true while just because it's like non-vintage, it's still <laughs> fucking excellent. You know what I mean? Like normally, sure. like I remember historically with maths, basically skipping the midweek episodes because they were just so snoozy. And now if you go like an ad break without some tumult, then, um, <laughs> you, you know, you, you feel ripped off. This is true. We'll get to that later in Reality Check. First... Real news. I still don't know which, which one's real news and which one's... Is this the one? We're I've been doing this for seven and a half years. Which one's about our lives? Real news. Okay, sure. Is, is, is all of it. Um, what real news have you got this week, Duncan, first of all? I think it's the same as you. have been really getting into gardening. Okay, this is great. I'm glad we can finally talk about this freely. Tell me about your garden. Well, so we moved from Kingsland to Mount Albert uh, about 18 too months specific, ago. Too specific. No. Oh, do you think uh, <laughs> the, the, the real pop fandom, the corns? I actually growing corn, as you know, right now. Not super successfully, but I got a couple of years going. Um, but. And we went from having this like disastrous garden a long way away to, to having quite a large garden that at various times I felt oppressed by. Like Mount Albert's volcanic soils, as you know, far better than me, they grow. The, the mm. things just come out of the ground there. You turn your back and there'll be a tendril and it will be coming for you <laughs> with bad intentions. And um, And I didn't know what to do with that, but it turns out, I just need to go and make a meaningful engagement with the Ryobi family of fine electric rechargeable gardening devices, of which I now have 
you know, this is very middle classy of me, but shoe fits. I have like a reasonable array and I've just been communing with it. Like <laughs> keeping my lawn in order, keeping my hedges in order, keeping my various shrubs in order. It feels good. Mm. And you? This this is where I need to get to. I'm not quite at the tool man tailor part of the journey. You know, I'm very much borrowing tools. I'm very much using just a single trowel to do everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am in an edible garden phase. I am a farmer of sorts. <laughs> I am planting cauliflowers, broccoli, kale, lettuces. I've got veggie gardens. I've got beetroot seedlings. And these things, are, all these happening. are all coming out of the ground. They're not just going into the ground. They're coming out of the ground as we speak. But I've got a problem. I've got cabbage worms all up in my brassicas at the moment. (laughs) Oh, my God. I've heard about your brassicas. (laughs) You're notoriously wormy. Um, what, 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 What is going on there? Well, every day now I have to go out. So, so I woke up one day and I check the garden every day. This is a pop culture podcast. I think, I think nature is popular culture. Well, I, I, I would like to us to talk about what we think is underneath all this. <laughs> Not just soil, but there's something psychological to it for sure. But let's, let's keep going with, yeah. the, with the dirt and the worms right now. <laughs> the cabbage worm. Well, something's eating all my kale, and then I found this big, fat, juicy green caterpillar on it the other day and Googled it, and it's what those bloody white butterflies hatch eggs and they become green caterpillars and get up all in your brassicas. Anyway, so every day I have to go out and wipe the leaves now of all my of all my vegetables and free them of um free them of cabbage worms. Now what is the is that the what the experts suggest? Is that what what's that guy? Is it rude Klein paste? <laughs> <laughs> the bug man. The bug man. Is that what he would, um, would suggest? Or is that just is like a home dad, remedy? This is what my dad said to do because I've still got like, I don't want to sound like a weird like garden anti-vaxxer, but I've got a weird attitude to sprays. Really? <laughs> I, I don't want to spend money on sprays. So, so it's a financial impediment, not, not a philosophical sort of. one. Yeah. And again, it's sort of communing with nature more, you know, gently wiping the leaves every day to free them of butterflies. Anyway, I just think, Gardening's just really great. It's been a huge change in my life, moving to Christchurch and having access to a garden. And it's also completely reframed the way that I think about time, which I which I think is very useful because I used to be completely distressed by every day that passed, like just moving through time is hell and you're only losing time and everything is getting worse. Whereas wow. now I'm like, Mikhail's getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is uh, like I don't know. I don't, don't do. All, I mean, so so much of this stuff is like such basic J one gardening vibes, which I'm sure that the, there'll be lots of real, real. It feels like something that there'll be a, like. A, I'm surprised there isn't like a real pod gardening corner. There probably is. Um, probably is. But you know that that people will be listening, going the eyes rolling out of the head. But I think just life is stressful. Like, have mm. you seen the news? Have you reported the news? <laughs> it's no good. But, like, there's something about being outside and just kind of covered in dirt and leaves. <laughs> not, not, not in a kind of a military camouflage way, but just, you know, you, you get, you're getting dirty. And, um, and it feels good. Like, it feels like there's some kind – you can kind of feel like a connection – to humanity's past, and you don't feel like such a parasite on the world, like a mm. like a, a cabbage worm on <laughs> on the global brassica, if you will. This is yeah, it's it's just a, it's just a miracle every day. You know, I've never comprehended a seed like truly. I've never properly thought about a seed from start to finish, and now I'm just like, you're telling me that I'm going to get cauliflower out of that. <laughs> I mean, I sound. This is what this is the problem. Though. We've become so detached, right? We've become so detached that I've not even thought about. Remember, we did like three weeks the day that we found out how Brussels sprouts grow. That was a massive moment. <laughs> that was that was an error. <laughs> an error to it. And those like nature's rare rocher stack. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, let's stop talking about gardening. It's been twenty minutes. I just, if anyone's got any tips and tricks, 
Send me an email, <laughs> particularly about cabbage worms. <laughs> Alex at the spinner. I want to talk about Taylor Swift as well. Okay. So the Eras Tour is launched this week. I spent the entire night glued to um, the spin-off's Twitter account, actually, using it to look at everyone who was live updating. It looks like the greatest show ever made. Have you seen the clips? I've not seen the clips because I'm, uh, I'm, I get reticent about those things. I like to experience things like a brand new baby when I go go to a concert hall. I, I, I listen to the sets, but I listen to them on, sh- you know, like the set lists on shuffle because I want to know the songs, but I don't want to know the order, all of that sort of thing. But I have looked at the set list and she's so long and she it's really wild. is in, the, in her eras. 44 songs, three and a half hours, plus, you know, there's like multiple, bloody Paramore, Gale, whoever the hell, opening. It's crazy. What I want to ask you, Duncan, is I know you're switched in with the music industry. What do you know about that tour coming to New Zealand? I mean, I've heard precisely nothing, and Taylor Swift is is nothing if not a shrewd capitalist lady, and I just worry about the... Like, is she so big as an economic force now that she can't fit, like, into New Zealand? Like, I'm sort of (laughs) struggling to imagine that our GDP is enough as an offering (laughs) to entice her down here. That that is my fear, is that, like, you know, what's our max cap stadium? It's like, could you get 50,000 into Eden Park? How many tickets should she she could do, like, five Eden Parks in a row, probably, plausibly? Mm, mm Mm-hmm. And then you look at, you know, versus I assume that she can play like 80,000 a night at the MCG or the SCG in Australia. And uh, I just don't know how it works. But she will get near-ish here and surely you, like I, will just make the trip. I think I will. I think I would. I'd, I'd go to Aussie. I'd go to Tassie. Would you go to Tassie? <laughs> you, know, Tassie. you know where she won't go is fucking Tassie. <laughs> She's not Taylor Swift. <laughs> that was a bigger laugh than that joke deserved, but I appreciate it. Was it was really, really good. Um, no, I'm I'm just so excited about it. I'm, I feel like I should stop looking at it. You're right. It does sort of ruin it if, it if and when it does come here. I feel like I'm already pretty up to speed on everything that's going to happen during the show. Except um, that surely... I just don't think that you can play a three and a half hour set the same every time. That's my, and my feeling. There's like a demar, demar, demarcated spot where she's like, this is where a surprise song happens <laughs> every night, you know? So there's like weaved in spontaneity. It's just really oh. cool. I, what I love about her is that she, on some level, operates with enormous constraints. You know, when you are at the scale that she is, you, you, you're sort of limited, you know, like in, in many respects. But in terms of the, that, that's kind of incredible sort of business creative genius that was the, um, the Taylor's versions as a response to, you know, publishing industry machinations and the financialization of her catalogue. And now with this where she's gone, okay, what? How can I make this tour different? And it's basically just playing for like at least twice as long as is practical or plausible. Like that's just—it's just really her. And mm. and I think why she's this really singular pop cultural figure that was made for these times. And I think because it's her, and because she cares so much about the fans, she's got to come to New Zealand. She's got to come down here. Have you she seen the exchange rate? She brought the blow-up snakes last time. You know, she brought the bells and whistles. She did. And we, we have been, yeah. I hope you're right. I would love to uh, just, just pop across the road <laughs> to see her <laughs> rather than uh, pop across the Tassie. But, um, but yeah, it is just like, it's, it's that whole, the whole tour is like there is more demand than there is scale infrastructure to support her and it doesn't feel like she's shrinking it feels like she's growing and that's almost like scary and exciting i mean they've renamed the town that she opened in right Glen- like, glendale is, is swift yeah. city <laughs> swift, swift city it's wild i wonder if wayne brown likes taylor swift he's in a band 
Did you know? That's huge. Yeah. I did not know that. He's in a pub where he obviously didn't read my really, really mediocre profile of Wayne Brown. We published <laughs> in the lead up to the election. Yeah, he's in a pub band. Um, and I, think they, I mean, I don't think he's a Taylor Swift fan. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a music he's, he's a complicated guy, Wayne Brown. Underrated <laughs> complexity, but I don't think he's a Swifty. All right. On that note, I think we should get into reality check. I am disgusted at how much you have copied my husband. <laughs> Reality check. It's feedback week on Mass. Oh my which god! Oh means my god! Nothing. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it means like a phenomenally shameless um, act, and and watching John pretend like this <laughs> was anything but. Like, this is risky. It's like, risky. It's controversial. Never been done anywhere in the world before. <laughs> but in the name of science, we must swap these couples for a week. It's so amazing because like there's there's always like the thin veneer of plausible deniability with all of their their um, machinations, and f- for the most part, you're like ah. But but also like I feel like John. I think he's a company man. He's all good. Mel, she's been around. I just am surprised in a way that Alessandra was up for this. Like for some reason I ascribe to her quite a, like an intense moral compass. I don't know if that's fair. <laughs> but, yeah, it just seemed like an astounding uh, thing to be, sw- to be switching around for three days. Sleeping in the same tiny apartment. I mean, I did wonder. I was like cynical production brain. Maybe they were hoping Taylor would still be here and they would put her with Cam. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, I was like, what were they trying to get out of this in terms of engineering affairs? I mean, it, that's surely why they did it, right? It's 100% why they, what, like, it's a, you know, that, that's the only reason you do it. But I also think they probably knew this time around the couples were reasonably solid and or the ones that weren't sort of actively hated each other. But it's in some ways, like, that's actually a perfect year to do it because it gives you like this plausible deniability about the science of it. So next year when you've got like some people who are roaming around, boom, you're away and you can replay the kind of, do like a little supercut of people saying, oh, it turned out to be really interesting and good. <laughs> from, geez, where's that Reese Darby voice coming from? Kill me. Um, you know, from, from this year. I suppose it is interesting as well seeing – the sort of broader maths multiverse come together in a way that's not just at the dinner party, that's not necessarily just steeped in, like, conflict and tension and realising, like, interesting things that, like, oh, Lyndall and Ollie don't really know each other. Like, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> like, you just assume they would be mates, but they're not. Like, those little, tiny little subtle things. But I, I, it was kind of a bit boring, a bit boring. Um, and I think part of that is because we lost the heart of the show which is Claire and Jesse, I believe. That was the big emotional arc that, that carried us through that had, had so many different turns. I think that's fair. It was it was boring by this season of Mass Standards, but still had enough. Yeah. Still had enough for me. Should we talk about Go Couple by Couple? Because I did listen to the podcast last week and you were pretty sure that Claire and Jesse were going to stick around. Oh, I can't so imagine that was about... true. There's no way of proving it. <laughs> should we talk about their decision to leave? Um, I kind of knew it from the moment the week started where we saw Jesse before the the CC, as he likes to call it, <laughs> sitting on seemingly the oven, which seems like a bad start, eating, like stress-eating yogurt straight out of the tub. <laughs> and I was like, this man is leaving. This man does not want to stay here anymore. Um, and it ended up being true. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I mean, Harrison, all-time villain run this week. Like, he's really yeah. carving himself into mass Mount Rushmore villain villain sequence. But but he also, I don't know, did you, did you absent the messenger, what did you think of the message? Did you, did you buy it? I definitely, I don't know how true that is, but I do think it's true that there was probably nothing romantic between them ultimately and that it sort of revealed that. But I thought when Jesse said, 
I don't know. I want to believe that Claire is is good. <laughs> I think I think Claire can be good and can be not attracted to Jesse, and yeah. I think that's what it is. And I, but I don't think she stuck around purely because of image. I think she stuck around to give it an honest crack. Is my is my hope. Um, but when Jesse chose to leave, so did Claire. You know, she could have kept him there. She could have done a she could have done a, an entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> But she didn't. No. <laughs> it seemed like they had both sort of decided, like, oh, this is over. But I did think it was interesting when Jesse said, when asked, I think, by one of the experts, had Harrison not said that, would you have written leave? And he said no, which is pretty crazy. And, again, just speaks to the just endless chilling power of Harrison. <laughs> that um, funny kind of half. Oh, Jane Yee's calling. We, we're getting a live Jane Yee phone call. Let's check her, wow. check her on the pod. check her on. Hello, Jane Yee. Hi, Samuel. Um, look, I've just got really sorry. I know that you're recording. Um, I've just got a really urgent message that I need to pass on to Duncan and Alex um, because I've just realised that if we don't get revenue generation, then we're going to have problems with the shareholders. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Leighton. <laughs> <laughs> that is... I think that you're right. Thank to, you, Jane. Thank you, Jane. You're right to identify that as a as a phrase that we need to apply in all aspects of our lives. Okay, it's very important business, high level business things that would not be obvious to any living human. Okay, so I'd leave that with you. Not feeling well, so I've got to go. Oh, Bye. Thanks for calling, Jane. Bye, Jane. Thank you. She does have a point. If you're listening to this uh, and you want to help out the real pod, we're being challenged on our revenue generating, which is currently. Yeah, not a huge amount of revenue, uh, so please get in touch. Maybe we could get sponsored by a um, garden company. That's right. You know? King's Pivot. Plant Barn, they've been bought by that <laughs> Japanese billionaire. Surely okay. they need some publicity. <laughs> anyway, if you're listening and you have a, any revenue-generating ideas, please get in touch. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Should we talk about Leighton then? Leighton and Melinda. Yeah, let's talk about Leighton and Melinda. Because <laughs> we did get a bit of a refresh about Leighton's um, background, his business background, his, his, his crazy analytical mind <laughs> and his boardroom talk, And as Jane was alluding to there. It's so funny to think about. I know that the people who are shareholders in his company are probably people and not stoner dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but just imagine if they were stoner dogs. <laughs> it is very – what's that cool picture of the dogs playing poker? Yeah. I imagine that is a board meeting <laughs> <laughs> just with a big hazy cloud over the top. There's actually a lot of amazing interviews of Leighton being on, like, investor chat shows and stuff like that. Um, if you've got an hour to kill, highly recommend. <laughs> Check them out. <laughs> I'm so scared to Google anything about maths uh, uh, for, for fear of spoilage. Another thing about Leighton, always a constant surprise to me that he is, like, fully tattooed. Is it a surprise to you? No, but I feel like Leighton is, and this is a huge call, the least stylish guy on the show this year. <laughs> I I sort of agree. I do think there's another controversial guy who might be circling the drain, though. Leighton's half and half t-shirts that he wears. Yeah, what are those? What are those? And <laughs> his, he might also be the tightest pants champ, and just wears so much basketball merch, which normally I enjoy and and wear some myself. But all bad, like all of it, mm. bad. Mm. Um. He did reveal himself, <laughs> not just in the tight pants this week. <laughs> Especially during when the couple swap, which was what we're going to call it. It's not feedback week. It's couple swap challenge was introduced. Um, he had like a pretty major meltdown. What did you think of his reaction? Yeah, like, because he never did quite come out and say it was jealousy, but it had jealousy vibes, which seems preposterous given the level of loathing that exists between Melinda and, and Harrison. 
But um, yeah, like the crazy thing is, like I watch this and I'm like, I actually think Melinda and Leighton are a great couple because of the combustibility. Like I think that that is just the thing that you work through, but it is what it is is just kind of passion by another name. But certainly the way that they went about that, both of them were just like completely out of line, I think. And Harrison, that that sort of half smirky <laughs> smile that Harrison has on his face whenever anyone is undergoing any kind of hardship is so repellent. But that yeah, that whole scene was like just really sad. I don't know. What did you it think? It was unbelievable. I mean, I felt sort of bad for Leighton because I could kind of see how it's like if you felt sort of weird about something – and you're just trying to work it through and be like, maybe I don't want to do this challenge. Like, maybe I should take a stand. I don't know. And you've got Harrison sitting there <sighs> being like, why don't you know? Look at you fighting again. Oh, this is like basically got the popcorn out. I can see how it would just make you go crazy and make you want to leave and just like get as far away from the situation as possible. But also, I might just do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone else is doing it. If Melinda is willing to spend three days with Harrison, and I quote, the worst person in the world. <laughs> Huge call, given some of the denizens. Um, yeah. Like, you got to, you know, you got to hang with Bronte, who's just like a bit weird. Like, that's fine. Although I do think Bronte kind of showed herself that she's been studying the master oh. this week. And she's picked up a few tools from the Harrison book of um, manipulation. Totally had um, apprentice vibes, eh? Completely. I really... It made me laugh when Leighton, in rage, sort of like lifted up his shirt and whipped off his little flesh belt, which has got all the microphone stuff on it. It's just like really hard to do, like pull off when you're really angry. You can't do it with dignity at any point in time. Yeah. And also, I don't think we lost any audio as a result in it because I just don't no. think he fundamentally knew how to do it. Yeah. And also, you know, they've bugged those rooms. <laughs> They're catching everything all the time. Um, it also did, unfortunately, and I hate that I'm saying this, during that whole sort of sequence, slightly endeared me to Harrison. <laughs> when he was sitting there and Melinda was like, you're acting like a Harrison right now. And Harrison was like, hey, I'm right here. <laughs> there are actually a few little moments where, and there was a couple at the dinner party as well, where Melinda and Harrison, it's not a flirty thing, but it's a like, we just so have spent so much time yelling at each other. There's like almost like a mutual respect or some weird bond that exists between them. Yeah, they need each other. <laughs> yeah, totally. But Melinda remains like her in the moments are always just so good. She is like, I think, you know, her and Evelyn jewel it out for the kind of the smartest detective analyst on the show. And I think maybe it's Melinda. I did think it was interesting. Did you notice that she... Instantly started wearing all of Leighton's clothes, some of my detective work. That's good detective work. The huge polo. Which, and then... Like he thought it was an intentional frumping <laughs> to, 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 <laughs> to sort of try and make sure that, that Harrison got no ideas. <laughs> and then it made me think, I was like, wow, is this some weird, like she's really attached to Leighton more than we thought? And then when we saw her kind of, when Leighton came back, they came back together and Leighton sort of started spewing all this vile stuff that Bronte had fed him about how Melinda, you know, they're not compatible, they don't have the same values and all this stuff. And Melinda was so devastated. Yeah. Like, I've never seen anyone cry that much on maths. And she was like, it made me think, maybe there's a bit more there than, you know. Oh, and you saw it again at the dinner party, right? Like, she is like, she is, I can't, she she was unable to breathe due due Mm. to caring so much about Leighton, which... Leighton is a funny man who, as we have just discussed, <laughs> wears funny outfits, but they do seem to really like each other. Um, speaking of funny outfits, I want to bring up the other person that I think is controversially not a good dresser on the show, and it's Duncan. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, so I sort of, I sort of agree. Like, but I think that seventies shirt he wears sometimes. Seventy, his basically his seventies shirts are quite good. But, the head-to-toe cream yeah. on the retreat, the leather shirt, the leather shirt was the craziest thing I have ever seen. I mean, I know he's going through hell. He's had a tough week. Alyssa's put him through the ringer. Oh, that's all right. But there's no need for a leather shirt. <laughs> I, I've got this, I've got this, well, who, who is the best guy on the show? Because I think it might be Ollie. Oh, 100%. Okay. 
Okay, I thought that was controversial after all of the the, the (laughs) dunkomania earlier in the season. But when it, no, what, yeah. when Ollie did his, I know we're roaming around a bit, but when when Ollie did his cam impression when Linda walked in, what was that? What kind of superhero crazy stuff was that? Amazing. This is what I've realised when I was watching this week. I was like, is Ollie the first genuinely funny maths contestant that we've had? Who's intentionally like, funny. Intentionally funny. Yeah. You know who's. Who can actually pull off a joke? <laughs> who we're not all just laughing at? Yeah, it's not NASA. <laughs> it's <cringe>. not Troy. Because <laughs> they're in their underpants or whatever. Like he genuinely is like cranking out. This week he did Cam impression, Steve Jobs impression, John Aiken impression, which was Dwayne like the Rock to Johnson die for. Impression. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, the, and we still love him. <laughs> they're all great impressions. Like I was like when he first came on, I was like voice actor, please. Now I'm like, can I book you? <laughs> Imagine what you would pay for him on Cameo, either as himself or as anyone else in the world. Anyone. It's very exciting. So going Um, back to Duncan and Alyssa. Go back to Duncan and Alyssa. Oh. I mean, I don't know what to make of this. There's this whole thing about she's she's got a a person on the outside, aka a child. (laughs) And she will not let it go. And she keeps sort of saying that Duncan is not making her her priority or something? I can't, I actually struggled to follow. Yeah, she can't really make the case at all yeah. well for what the problem seems to be. And the, the self-sabotage is extreme. It's really, really difficult to watch. And also, like, I don't know. Like, so Duncan, had, Duncan was brought to tears by the conflict – I don't know. I just don't like like unless it's a really ruthless edit and they're really happy at the rest of the time. It just feels like this one is kind of sliding towards a breakdown. Mm. Mm. And it certainly, certainly, <laughs> certainly looks like he's doing everything he can, including a racy photo shoot with Evelyn in the bedroom, which would make any other wife go completely insane. What are you doing? What? Okay, so let's talk about that because like I was like, okay, this this is going to be the end of it, like. Great photo shoot, but Duncan wearing assumedly just an apron and a rose in his teeth with having his photo taken in a bed with Evelyn. I mean, craziness. Even, even like a, someone with no, not a jealous bone in their body is going to be like, huh, about that, surely. But she seemed to just sort of, I don't know. She, she, it was like she had detached already. Like she had already decided when they came back together that she was going to be mad at him. Um, and when he gave her those photos, she was kind of just like, oh, cute. And then he gave her like a grab one voucher for an Italian cooking class or something. She's like, oh, thanks. Well, that, I have a child <laughs> and then stormed out of the room. <laughs> it, was a weird, it was a weird week for them too. I do just like Duncan's... Um, when he's like doing this photo shoot and he's like, oh, this is so random. Like, oh, I'm such a goose. And it's like, you've got no idea what you look like. You? <laughs> <laughs> like he just genuinely doesn't know. Well, and also he, <laughs> like, he photographs very, very well. Like that, mm. every single one of those shots. Picasso, you know? Top notch. Um, let's talk about Evelyn and Rupert briefly. I don't have much on them. Um, they've started to slap each other on the ass, I wrote. <laughs> and Alessandra goes, excelente. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like, they're they're fun, and and I enjoyed Rupert sort of starting to stand up a little bit for for the pair of them. But it just doesn't feel like it, it feels like they enjoy being on a TV show. Yeah, and have we talked about Evelyn's history on this? No, podcast? can you tell me about her history? Well, she was on Big Brother UK in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Alongside who would become her good friend, Andrew Tate. <laughs> wow. That one. I know. That Andrew Tate. <laughs> the Andrew still, Tate. Still they became current friends. good friend. <laughs> well, no. So they've since gone their separate ways, but they holidayed together. Wow. It was a whole thing. Wow. Crazy. A real pot exclusive? In a sense, <laughs> yeah. Via the Daily Mail. <laughs> um, and she also had a fling with Justin Bieber. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, it's crazy. The Evelyn, the Evelyn Hive is feasting right now <laughs> on gossip. That is wild. Yeah. So to your point, I do think there's definitely a part of her that's just um, 
happy to be on telly and happy to have her there. She's great, you know. Fantastic talent. She's outstanding. I I do think in general, like you don't want it to be all career reality TV technicians, but having a few sprinkled hither and thither who you just know how to keep the thing moving, it's it's worth it. Mm. She also started calling Rupert Roops, which I thought was quite cute. I do like Rupert. <laughs> it's just, it kind of makes him sad. Yeah. But cute. Yeah. <laughs> I also, Joe actually made a good point. Um, <laughs> the way you say that, like, <laughs> it's that time of the month again. For once. <laughs> it's got a real for once. That um, when Rupert does stand up to Harrison, he was like, I think it has an extra gravity because Rupert is a tradie and so is Harrison. And I feel like they have. Trady Bond. Trady Bond. <laughs> and they speak in the Trady way. And I think that's why Rupert feels a bit more empowered to speak up to Harrison. You know, maybe he's like, you know, I've seen these guys on site before. Sick of it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think there's much more with them, to be honest. Okay. Cameron and Lyndall. Hmm. Uh-oh. spaghetti <laughs> Cameron... Cameron. I mean, first of all, this man needs to stop acting like him having his hair out is like the most exciting thing to ever rock the experiment. He did it once and it was exciting. Second and third time, no one's clapping. <laughs> it's normal. <laughs> like, give it a brush, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> he just like prances in in this way that I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's, he's definitely and- like extremely. There's, there's, there's Cam with his hair up and Cam with his hair down and they do not know each other. <laughs> Yeah, it's like when Michael Scott wears like his jeans on a Friday <laughs> on the office, and he like dances in. Um, but the big, the big conversation point this week was Cam's career in the middle of nowhere, nine hundred kilometers from anywhere, with no reception for months at a time. For, for, for who knows how long? It's it's really amazing. Like I don't know. I, I sort of lost a lot of sympathy for Cam. The the sort of you know. The boy from the Northern Territories never been kissed. The whole that whole trope this week because the show is called Married at First Sight. Like you can't go into it with this like really excited to meet and marry a lady, but also cannot wait to head head out remote for anywhere up to a year without reception. Like you know, and 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 as he was kind of. Like you know, they they eventually sort of interrogated this out of him at the at the dinner table, but you know he he did say if if this thing works out, I'm willing to make these sacrifices, but he's not willing to make the sacrifices now. So I don't know. So he's a chippy. I just feel like there must be some chippying that happens in the city. It's not just out Closer. remote. You know, they need chippies in Perth. I'm sure they do. That's all Lyndall wants is for him to come to Perth and go rollerblading. Another revelation that Lyndall is a maybe roller derby something. <laughs> I don't know. We know little about her. <laughs> we don't. We do. We don't. Yeah, it's a, it's just um, the the only the only thing I wonder is if if maybe because Cam, Cam does seem to be like one good experting and he can um, you know he could swing it around. So I, don't, I wouldn't write them off just yet, but it was a, it was a pretty bad week. And and as Ollie, um, you know, figured out with his like five minutes on the couch with Lyndall, they have a deeper conversation than Cam and Lyndall have ever had. You know, they mm. just haven't spoken about almost anything seemingly. It's really sad. Um, when Cam, oh, we haven't talked about girls and boys night. Um, when Cam rocked up to boys night, I was. Remind, have you seen this documentary called Hotel Coolgardie? Oh, no. <laughs> it's really great. It's set in like the middle of probably one of these places, like, you know, where people fly in for six months and work on the mines or whatever. <laughs> and it's the, cre- it's the creepiest documentary just about this one pub in this town and the two women that are working behind the bar in this like seething town full of blokes. Oof. And I don't, I'm not saying that Cam is like part of that, but when he was like, when it was boys night and he's like, Time for a couple of scoony matadas. Scoony <laughs> matadas like, was so what good. What are you saying? <laughs> He's just like, has this sort of laddish thing where I'm like, I don't know if you're like totally in this. I don't know if you're totally ready. Well, or, or, <laughs> yeah. 
He's I think he's totally in this, but he's so much more comfortable surrounded by men and men alone. Um, speaking of mm. boys' night, how good was the like fucking redemption and sort of arc for, for Adam? Just just for like standing up to to Harrison and and kind of staring him down. That's right. When he's like, "You're gonna knock over your wine, boy." That was so weird. <laughs> it was so weird. There was such crazy toxic masculine energy in that exchange. You know, knock over your wine, just, boy. The boy so is really full yeah. on. He's doing so much work. Yeah, and it was like what he's saying is kind of nothing, but it just <laughs> sounded so freaky. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like he was challenging him to a duel <laughs> or demanding yeah. satisfaction somehow. And Harrison hated oh, it. Oh, yeah, um, he had to go. He had to go. Who else? There were, oh, Shannon arrived. Shannon did it literally was, nothing apart from eat nothing. a salad in a disgusting way, and then get, yeah, which we've seen him do before. Get bagged <laughs> out by um, Rupert, which was great. That's you know, that's all he deserved. Like no speaking lines for you. No, <laughs> featured extra. Um, and jo- Josh and Hugo returned, and everyone was gobsmacked at their uh, <laughs> likeness. <laughs> they both have floppy hair. <laughs> yeah, Ollie was just like, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, what else happened? Oh, the girls' night. Um, who? Oh, we've got Bronte and Harrison left to do. Let's save them till last. So the girls' night basically was all about Janelle and Caitlin's return. And Sandy, all all the all the Crow. all the score all the scorned woman. But I particularly liked Janelle and Caitlin just put on the most incredible makeup looks for their like revenge bodies. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Janelle, they sort of tried to play it like Janelle had unfinished business with Claire, but they lasted about. But then when they had a <laughs> four <laughs> seconds, and then actually quite a lovely, like another just cracking apology from from Claire. The, that was the crazy thing about the sorry to return to it, but the Bronson Adam thing was. Adam is just not a world-class apologizer, but he was just no. muddling his way through. He was trying his best. He was not like whatever Harrison was saying he was doing was not what he was doing intentionally or even I think, you know, if you were doing like a, a sort of mean-spirited analysis of the text, it was just like such a bizarre, you know, like, yeah, Harrison, just a creature. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to it. I think we could just get to it right now. I mean, there's nothing much more Bronson from the girls' night out apart for, from... Sorry, Bronte stole this out. Bronson. Bronson. <laughs> oh, my God. Bronson, take out that eyebrow piercing, please. <laughs> <laughs> for the, Bronte um, storms out for the millionth time. It is... Because, yeah, Sandy asked her again, are you being emotionally manipulated? She walked out. Sandy sort of had this nice moment where she said, I didn't find love, but, you know, I found these 11 amazing women. And they all took to, took to of, a tagline for it. <laughs> <laughs> like a That's real right. inspirational quotes. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Bronte and Harrison then. Um, oh, Harrison is the biggest villain in maths history. Yeah, correct. Well, you know, like not necessarily in terms of peak crime, but in terms of like consistent criminality. <laughs> I think you know he's a career criminal, you know, rather than guy who did like one or two big whoopsies. <laughs> and when you compare him to like, you know, there is there are parallels with Bryce um, from a season or two ago. But the difference is that like Bryce was kind of scrambling a lot of the time, which is part of why we loved him, was that he sort of was trying to like throw out these lies and, and, and keep afloat and keep everyone happy, but didn't really know how to do that and always looked quite under the pump. Harrison is in total control. Scary control. Scary control of almost everybody around him. And just, he's got a very, he is the Joker, right? Like, he just wants to watch the world burn. He's never happier than just shooting darts out into a crowded room and just seeing who starts to fall. Mm. When the ex, but he's also like completely unwilling to, he can't even, he can't make up lies about himself. Like, when the experts asked him, they said something like, What have, you contributed that's unhealthy to the relationship or or he said something like, I'm not perfect, I've made mistakes. And he just can't and remember any. Like, but I'm like, sure there mistakes? must be some. And he was like, oh, I just, sorry, I can't, I don't know, can't think of anything, sorry. Well, so that's where he kind of glitches, like it's interesting. Yeah, but I don't know if he's glitching so much as like there's something about like if you, like if you ask me to just name Adam's bad stuff or Shannon's bad stuff. I'm just like instant recall. But something about the way that Harrison 
goes about things and these kind of crazy sort of mood mode shifts that he does. Like it's like they it's like a you know one of those evaporating messages or something. It's somehow like you can't it's like a gaseous substance that you can't can't capture. So you know mm. that he is just this awful gaslighting, manipulating manipulating guy. And yet no one sort of can lay out the case for the prosecution in that sort of systematic way because it's just yeah. he's this, this shape-shifting object. It's, he is unsettling, like deeply unsettling. Truly. I've just been reading that book about psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying it's It's just an honest opinion. Um, it's a good read. <laughs> it's a good read. <laughs> Apropos of literally nothing. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, um, I thought it was quite a tell. I mean, also, we have never seen any affection or any sense of real connection between him and Bronte. When the experts asked him, do you think Bronte's good enough for you? He said, yeah, I love showing her off. I know. Which <laughs> is like, like, a, like, a, like a trotty, you know, a true trotty. <laughs> but the scariest thing that we saw even more of this week is that Bronte is not only just completely back on Team Harrison, she has, like, absorbed a lot of his methods and use them on Leighton to turn him against Melinda. It's very, it's it's very Last like, of Us, right? Like yeah, she's yeah. got the shrooms in her brain. It's yeah. a bad, bad vibe. When she told Leighton, when Leighton came to her and was like, you know, me and Melinda have had this big fight about this challenge and said this weird thing about him having, you know, different morals or whatever. And Bronte said to him, you know, your first reaction is often your most raw, genuine, authentic feeling. And I was like, isn't that 100% not the case? Like, that's what my therapist says. It's like, it's definitely not true. Your first thought is always like, you need to sit with it and breathe in, breathe out. She's doing bad therapy on Leighton. But it, but, you, but exactly. So, so like, obviously, like, a big part of what, what Harrison's trying to do is be the fourth expert, which is just excruciating, mm. given that everything we know about him but there's like a Bronte Bronte is the the sort of four and a half the expert thing that starts to happen <laughs> in the show because she she start, you like you say she, she starts to say Harrison type things in a Harrison type style with this sort of weird kind of slightly far away look on her face like she's not really sure mm. where the stuff's coming from but you know it's 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 coming out there was a tell also at girls' night when I think she was hit up about the manipulation thing, and she said, he doesn't emotionally man manipulate me, but we have had some conversations about my voice and how he would like me to speak. But that's all. <laughs> I was like, run. I mean, Melinda said it in, like, week one. Run. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we saw again, you know, there was another big blow-up. Um, he broke up. He broke up with her over text last week, right? Or at the start of this week, they got back together. They've had more fights. He's turned it around on her again. It's always there was that really excruciating scene where he he was sort of interrogating her and sort of impugning her motives and so on. Where and you could just see that it was almost felt like it had come out of boredom from his side and she felt so ambushed by it that you remember that there was that, that scene early on where uh, Hugo sort of started to question the nature of reality as a, at a dinner party mm. because of Taylor's um, the way that Taylor was sort of working him over. And it felt like Bronte was having a moment like that where she was like, this is a person who, put me through hell, but we've achieved this kind of equilibrium and had this us and against the world thing going. And then seemingly like flip of a switch, he's like intentionally destroying her, having amassed all this power. He's now decided I will deploy it for evil now. And it's, man, it's, it's, it's full on. It's real full on. And, you know, as the expert said, he just throws he throws bombs. He did another one. Not only did he blow up his own relationship and show up at the dinner party on his own, he then cast one more <laughs> grenade onto the table about Leighton and Melinda and whether they have matching morals and how that would have made Melinda feel that Leighton was questioning her morals. And then you just see him sit back in his little lemon 
ruffler and shirt and watch the carnage. It's not that little shirt. <laughs> There's a lot of Harrison under, going on under there. There is a lot of Harrison. <laughs> so, but, but he also did that thing where he, you know, was talking about how late they stayed up and all the things they talked about, like just mm. trying to sort of just seed a little bit of jealousy in there. Like there's just no opportunity to kind of try and wreck someone else's happiness that he won't, won't grab and run with. It's incredible. He just infects everything. And I almost feel like... He infects the audience. <laughs> like, I feel stressed when Harrison is on screen. It makes me anxious thinking about, like, he's gaslighting everyone. The thing that stresses <laughs> me out most is, like, this is him with cameras everywhere and everything being mm. recorded. Like, what is he like late at night in the club on a dating app with, you know, people that he has kind of some degree of control and, and no supervision over? Like, this is a... This is a to, to me, based on the show, this is a terrifying human. Mm. But did so, like, one of the things about this week, just this is just a bit of behind the um, you know, behind the curtain, like, we we get sent this drive, which uh, the the <laughs> episodes are dropped into by um, some beloved representatives of Discovery Corporation, and this week they got a bit behind, so. I had to watch some of it on Nine Now through a VPN, which was Australian ads are real full on. Lots hey. of lots <laughs> of uh, lots of medical, like like lots of weight loss drugs. <laughs> real lot of uh-huh. weight loss drugs, which is deeply uncomfortable. And you know what the show that they're interspersing is. Um, but the the best part was. The the very end of it, they had, I think, the Australian kind of throw forward, which was really different to the sort of generic international next week on maths. And and yeah. it had these crazy blood red stripes like going across the experts' faces that gave them this kind of ghoulish and quite aged appearance. <laughs> and the accountability that the experts were demanding of a bunch of people, but particularly Harrison, was like they were trailing this as, you know, the whatever, um, the biggest Sunday of the year or something. And it was like so full on that it made oh me think God. that uh, that next week, the final commitment ceremony, you know, we've had so many years of just feeling like the experts are just like, whether intentionally or not, not seeing and not holding them accountable. This feels like it's like the trial of the century, and uh, we're going to see some things. Oh, my God. Can't wait. Two weeks to go, right? Two, it's crazy. two weeks to go. It's mad. What are we going to do without it? Um, hey, thank you so much, Duncan and Samuel and Jane and the people listening at home. <laughs> Join us next week for more Kale Watch. Kia ora e te iwi. Te ai here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.